Good afternoon, gearheads. One week after a fantastic United States Grand Prix here in Austin with a record crowd and a brilliant race, F1 is back at 7,300 feet of altitude in Mexico City. And Max Verstappen is on pole with an opportunity to win his 14th race of the season, which no one has ever done. I was going to say, that's a new one that's going to happen today, I have a feeling. Yeah, that's John Massagill, and we're sitting in the studio in Austin with Jonathan Green and Les Kaiser, and we have Bob Varsha over Zoom. Mr. Varsha, I'll start with you. How are you doing? I'm doing great, despite uh, some gloomy, rainy weather here in Atlanta. Uh, Really looking forward to this race. The Mexican fans are outstanding although we understand they've been getting a little over exuberant this maybe weekend, a little rabid <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they've they've got a guy out there in uh in sergio perez with the opportunity to do some great things today yeah. um it's just a beautiful day great weather it's going to be a great race uh i hear you have a uh, a customized weather report from mexico city that's right. My son, Matt, is sitting down in turn one. He says the weather is perfect, <laughs> and he sent a picture. Wow. <laughs> <At Grandstand. laughs> All right. Tell him we want updates as the race goes on. <laughs> All right, yeah, gentlemen. Right. We I all... tell you what, I can't wait for the attendance number on this weekend because yeah. they had a reported just over 100,000 people on Friday wow. to watch a tire test. Yeah, and, basically. Uh, huh, yeah. It's going to be a big number, I'm sure. All right. Well, we uh, we also have Mr. Chris Medland, who has just joined us from Mexico City. And I think his mic is on. Mr. Medlin, how are you, sir? I'm very well, chaps. How are we doing? We're doing great. I, I'm going to start with thanking you. We had a fantastic hanging out all last weekend at the USGP. It's the most time we've ever spent actually in the same... In 3D. <laughs> yeah, in 3D. It was fun, Chris. <laughs> Yeah, it stops you having to stare at that picture of me on the feed, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was great, great fun. Had a, an awesome time. Um, and I certainly felt our post-race uh, celebrations on Tuesday morning. I can put it that way. But um, <laughs> yeah, Me- Mexico. Let's, I'll move on to that quickly. Uh, no such uh, struggles here in that sense. But uh, Bob wanted the number. Uh, I've got the number for him. 395,902. And I believe the two are your son and his friends. So, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that's, that's across the, the, all three days. And 395,090 are Checo fans. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Basically. It's, uh, it's incredible here. I mean, uh, I will touch on briefly. I'm in the paddock right now, um, stealing the Wi-Fi before we see if I can stay connected to everybody while I head out onto what will be a packed grid. But it is a packed paddock. And it's great. The atmosphere is incredible. You know, the stories that are coming out now about overzealous fans, it's a very small minority that are just being a bit too OTT in the paddock when drivers are, you know, walking out of their garages um, in conversation with engineers and things, and they're, genu- they're literally grabbing them to try and stop them for a photo. Um, or they're doing interviews. Uh, it was uh, Pato Award did an interview with uh, ESPN Mexico, and he stood in the paddock on TV doing an interview, and someone just walked straight into the middle of it, and is like, will you sign this? It's like, have some awareness <laughs> of when these guys are working. So uh, right. it's just it's just little things like that where where some of the drivers, Pierre Gasly found he was mobbed on his way in yesterday. And when he got into the uh, AlphaTauri motorhome, uh, his team manager said, your bag's open. Uh, and someone had been into his bag. Fortunately, nothing was missing, but just, just a bit too OTT. So um, yeah, uh, I think there might be a few guidelines because we don't want to reduce anyone's access here. It's, it's been brilliant. Also in Austin, wasn't it? It was packed there. Yeah. It's great to get yeah. people close to this court. Yeah, I love the excitement, but yeah, let's 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 chill, people, as my teenagers yeah. would say. Uh, hey, Chris, I, I want to uh, before you get out onto the grid, I want to start today. I don't want to spend too much of the show on it because this thing has been beat to death, but I definitely want to get your take and make sure we're up completely up to speed since you literally are on the ground about the cost cap, about what all has gone on, and any. I mean, I guess I guess it's pretty much been beat to death, but but as you know, everybody, if you're listening to this and Red Bull violated the cost cap for 2021 and was fined $7 million. And they were over by what the FIA called a, uh, a, in the, in the minor infraction. And it was uh, a little over, what was the final number, Chris? One point something. Well, so yeah, this is the interesting part. It was the the final number officially that they were punished for was $2.2 million. And it's 1.6% over the limit. And yep. you're allowed to go up to 
5% over the limit to be within this band of penalties. But the FA acknowledged that what Red Bull had done in those uh, accounts that showed things they got wrong was they included a load of tax that they didn't need to include that was well over a million dollars. Um, it's well over a million and a half, actually. So that was tax they could have removed from the accounts. That was excluded from the cost cap. And if they'd done that, the actual final figure was half a million dollars. So 0.37% over the limit. And that's what Red Bull are kind of arguing, saying, look, that's all it was in the end. And that's where this discrepancy came from. You know, we've been actually very heavily punished for what's a tiny, tiny number over the top. But they still got over the top. Uh, and no yeah. other team did. So... Uh, the FIA were trying to make a firm statement that you just cannot go a, a dollar over. Uh, you need to get it right and you need to get your reporting right. So uh, it, what I'd say has gone well. I think most teams now have kind of drawn a line under it. Ferrari said it's maybe not as harsh as it could have been, but it's, you know, it's still a petite. Um, Mercedes have been actually quite diplomatic and said that we're, it's not up to us to say whether it's a harsh or firm penalty. <laughs> it's just now it's, you know, line under it, move on. And Red Bull did the same. Christian right. Horner sat in front of the media for about an hour on Friday. Uh, and and fronted up and said he kind of did a monologue and then answered any questions that anyone had uh, <laughs> to try and clarify as much as possible. So at least they were open once they were allowed to be, once yeah. the result was there. So that was good. Yeah, I was kind of skeptical about a lot of things Christian Horner said. And one thing that really bothered me is when he said there are these standards that were put out there and accountants can differ among themselves yeah. about what these calculations are. And I thought, I don't think so. The yeah. Accountants have rules and they all know what those rules are. Now, if there's a fault in the, uh, in the way the, the, uh, the reporting rules were written, then that definitely needs to be recognized. But I'm, I'm not going to go blame the accountants saying they thought it was different than what the accountants working for the FIA thought. Well, so to be fair, I, I will slightly hit back on that one, though, in the sense that every team got to appoint their own accountant and, and work with them to yep. do this final submission, which were to a set of rules that were only written over the last couple of years and are mm -hmm. not the sort of rules that these accountants have trained in. They're, they're new to get used to. So I can see where grey areas would have appeared. I think the big mm -hmm. thing, though, is only Aston Martin. Uh, I have asked, and the teams haven't been able to confirm whether they use the same accountancy firm, but only mm -hmm. Aston Martin of any other team had anything flagged up as incorrectly reported. No other I team thought, had a single item. I thought Williams did too, but they called no, it so procedural. Williams, yeah. yeah, Williams were late. They were late with oh, their submission okay. in March and they, they informed the FIA they'd be late uh, and got penalised for that. They're a couple of days late, I think, at the end. Gotcha. But what was included in that submission was all fine. So it's yeah. only uh, Aston Martin and Red Bull that, that had feedback from the FIA that said, you can't do this. Uh, so that's where maybe one accountancy firm basically got it wrong. But also Christian Horner said they were aggressive with their accounts this year and the mm -hmm. first year of the accounts. And if you're aggressive, you run the risk of I think he I'm losing your Wi-Fi signal. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. They've taken Cost your Wi-Fi signal. The <laughs> FIA have struck. Yeah, data cap. <laughs> They've silenced you. You know, it's it's funny. I saw uh, a note this morning. I don't know if you saw the Xfinity race from Martinsville yesterday. Uh, Ty Gibbs punted his Joe Gibbs Racing teammate Justin Allgaier out of the lead to go for the win. That dropped all guy are out of the championship round of four next weekend at Phoenix. Mm -hmm. And a guy I respect a lot, Dave Moody, who does a regular radio show and podcast about NASCAR subjects, said, okay, NASCAR decided this was a racing incident. What they've got to do going forward is define the rules very clearly, define the penalties really clearly, and then be very transparent about applying those penalties. And I thought, boy, he could have been watching Formula One. Uh, exactly. And that's what I was going to say <laughs> when Chris got finished talking prematurely there. But uh, exactly. If you knew what the fine was, I mean, we see, you know, littering signs on the highway, you know, not to exceed $500 for litter or, or whatever. What if they set that kind of fee structure or, or penalty structure in place? You know, the one thing I am glad is it didn't go against Max. Because Max honestly has no control over what he's doing, I guess, short of crashing cars a lot. But yeah, really, no driver does. Yeah. And so I'm glad they didn't apply it. No, that's true. When it, yeah, when it comes to budgets, you're right. That's uh, actually a point Christian Horner made as well. Crash damage mm -hmm. has been a big, big thing. Uh, and it's very, very expensive. And Red Bull haven't had a lot of it this year. So they said that's good for them moving forward. Uh, mm -hmm. But also when they felt, you know, what happened with Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen at Silverstone, and they felt that Verstappen was 
you know, proven to be uh, blameless because of the penalty that was handed out. I mean, we could debate that all day long, but uh, they right. then say, you know, we had to pick up a bill of well over a million dollars for that. And, you know, you end up overspending and that's not your fault. So that, that's what, the only point honest. I was going to make. I think it was firm. Yeah. My only point is, and I'm the old cynic maybe, but I, I just, you know, motor racing, especially at Formula One level, it's all about taking maybe. advantage wherever <laughs> you can. And espionage mm. and, and not the word cheating, but taking advantage where you can. And I just see this as another gray area that every year is going to raise its ugly head unless, as, as, as uh, Bob just said, they make the rules clear. They make the penalties clear. And for what? Um, because it really is great to me. I, I I just don't see it. I mean, you just you'll have more. You'll have fifty accountants next year, and you'll you'll take out half the marketing department because you need fifty accountants. Well, maybe right, they need well, to be in the cost cap as well. Mm. <laughs> well, look, guys, um, I am going to take Bob Varsha's advice on this. We talked about this in the pre-show. We're not going to beat this thing to death. No, because, no. I, I'll leave it with one last thing, and that's what. Dave O'Neill, who's not with us today, a Haas F1 team manager, said... Oh, he's fine and healthy. Don't, don't say it like that. <laughs> yeah, don't take it sorry. like that. <laughs> no, not that way. But Dave said, uh, it feels like the FIA has lost their way without Charlie. And I think uh, that... Yeah. The moral compass of the paddock. Yes, Meaning exactly. Charlie Whiting. Whiting yeah. Charlie Whiting, yeah. yes. Late race director. Yeah, yep. I agree with that. Mm. All right, let's talk some racing in Mexico City. Hey, Chris, how is the oxygen level for you at 7,300-plus feet there? It's okay at the moment. I mean, when I uh, run off in a sec to leave you guys and go running around the grid, I will admit, if I can't stay live, it will probably save me because you do notice if you're talking nonstop and you're moving that you just need to take rests a bit more often. I mean, I ran the track on Thursday and it was fine. Your body gets used to it, but you you do notice those subtle differences. We are a long, long way up here. Um, I think we're nearly three times as high as any other F1 circuit on the calendar. So uh, but it's good conditions for Mercedes. It's put them right in the mix here because they have a very draggy car with a lot of downforce on it. And mm. that drag penalty is, is reduced here because of the air density. So uh, I, it's, it's definitely set things up uh, in, in an exciting way. Um, one thing I do want to also throw to, by the way, for anyone listening who might be watching their TVs, uh, keep listening to us because if you want to hear from Max Verstappen or Christian Horner today, you won't be able to do it on yeah, ESPN Sky. because <laughs> Red, Red Bull and Sky have had a bit of a falling out. Uh, Red Bull have been unhappy with Sky's coverage of Red Bull this year, the way they've kept referring to the end of the championship last year. And they felt it's been too much. And eventually, uh, I think after some comments from Ted Kravitz in Austin, they've said enough's enough. Uh, You can't speak to Christian or Max this weekend. So (laughs) they're still doing media. I can can still talk to them, uh, but Sky can't. So they can talk to Checo because it's his home race and they didn't want to penalize him. (laughs) But uh, yeah, we we might get a little little upper... A leg up, yeah, I guess. So I'll... All right. Well, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna follow. We had someone on social. Bill Ricker says, "Hi guys, I'm gonna switch to XM feed on uh, one of the station breaks so I can sync up with ESPN slash ABC Sky." So uh, apparently, people are already doing that. Chris. We are the Verstappen channel. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> you you yeah. watch your Verstappen. You got to get you it get here. The, get the BBC. <laughs> yeah, uh, true. Well, Chris, man, uh, go get them, buddy. See what you can find. Uh, first of all, see what kind of Wi-Fi you can find out there and go see if you can wrangle us up some interviews. <laughs> I will do. So I'll hopefully all- you guys will still hear from me live. Yes. But if not, uh, I will probably speak to you all just before lights out. Okay. Fantastic. Awesome. Ha- having worked for Sky for over- wheezing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Having worked for Sky for over 10 years uh, doing bikes uh, where the mandate was Carl Fogarty, Carl Fogarty, Carl Fogarty, and anybody else that's British, and then, <laughs> you know, um, I get it. And Sky are caught between a rock and a hard place. They've got to support Hamilton and George Russell. It's a British company. I, it's a British, you know, fa- fan base. Yeah. Um, British crowd. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, hey, that's fine by Verstappen. He didn't want to take part in uh, Drive to Survive hey. at one point, did <laughs> He doesn't seem like uh, right. he really is uh, a, a microphone hound. But And speaking of that exact concept... I don't go a show without talking about the Andretti F1 effort, and I have Good. some I have some additional thoughts on that at some point later in the show if we if that can get squeezed in. So we'll see how that works. And we also have I'm going to play a clip from Michael Andretti that we got last weekend, and I'm going to play it again. We played the full thing on the show last week, but I tightened it up a little bit and kind of got the meat of it. And we're going to play that later in the show. But for now, we are going to do a quick break, and when we come back, we'll continue to get you ready for the Formula One Mexican Grand Prix. Back after this. 
Hi, this is Max Verstappen, and you're listening to Speed City. You're listening to Speed City F1 on Sirius XM. All right, Checo fans, are you ready? The Mexican Grand Prix coming up in about 40 minutes. The but ultimate in- chance for the Mexican wave. What did we decide? Checo's got four wins in his yeah, career, right? Four career right. wins. Yeah. 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 But no, not one here in Mexico. Yes. That would be unbelievable if you could pull that off. Well, actually, I, I based on what Chris was talking about, the fans there, I'm not sure I'd even want to be anywhere near that place if Checo wins because it would be a... I'm thinking if he just takes the lead, it's going to be dangerous. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> just on Johnny Cunha, a Mexican wave, but it, not just a wave if it's here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It'll be a it'll be a tsunami. Well, what? Hey, Chris, give us some eyes and ears. It sounds like you've got internet. So, what's going on? Uh, I am relying on the phone network, so apologies in advance to everyone if I disappear. But right now, I've made it out onto the grid, uh, oh. and it seems to be working. Yay! And it is a very very vibrant picture. So there's a lot of there was like gestures and um, court. I don't know how to say this. Sort of like. Um, characters. There's a lot of fancy dress going on. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Very eccentric. In fact, well, the more I look at each one, they're all just remarkably different outfits. Sparkly, bright colours. Of course, I led by Will Buxton. Of course. Uh, today was the big parade. Got on. It's hey. Dia de los Muertos. It's a big uh, holiday. 60s for this weekend. <laughs> yes. You boys, y'all, y'all were stepping all over Chris. He was trying to give us everything. I'm sorry. You just couldn't resist it. I know. I the... think he's probably thinking Luca Libre. That's <laughs> the mask wrestling you know yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, i cannot tell if you guys can hear me so it's fine if you speak over me don't you worry (laughs) uh but yeah it's it's remarkable actually the uh the sights and sounds and colors uh there's a mariachi band playing now uh joe ramirez is here on the grid right now doing some interviews and uh meeting and greeting it's a very very busy place but you could just feel the energy that they just love having f1 here they they love putting on a show for formula one and it's, I mean, following on from Austin, it's just great to have these two races back to back. So vibrant and so much fun. I know. I was when he was describing that, I was just thinking of Austin last week. It was, it was really amazing. I can't gush. I mean, it, the race was the race weekend was just almost perfect. The crowd was was huge, record sized crowd. The transportation was perfect, and then the icing on the cake. We had a fantastic race. And everybody after the race, all the pundits were kind of like, wow, we forget how good Circuit of the Americas is. Yeah. You know, yeah. that was that was yeah. almost to a man. Everybody was saying that. It's like, we are so lucky to have that. Absolutely. Here. And first time attendance last week at uh, was uh, Horsey McHorse <laughs> and Daniel Ricardo. That's right. First time a horse has been ridden into the paddock <laughs> with his own credentials. All right. On that note, uh, we've Bob- checked that box. We've checked that yep. box. <laughs> That's a good way to Only put way it. is up now. Uh, there we go. Hey, Bob, why don't you give us some circuit facts and figures that we've got in the show, Doc? Well, this is a it's a fabulous circuit, and when you look at it, it it looks so large that you'll be surprised to hear that it is like the third shortest loop on the Formula One calendar. It's just under two point six seven miles, or just over two point six seven miles around. 17 turns and many of them are very sharp so if you stayed with us uh, after the u.s grand prix in austin last week you heard pirelli's worldwide motorsports director mario isola say mexico is a completely different dish than circuit of the americas austin is flowing it's fast mexico is start and stop all about traction all about acceleration all about braking all about change of directions and over the weekend we've seen spins including one from max verstappen crashes including one for charles leclerc so even the big guns find this this track really really tricky it has a really interesting history too the patron saints of mexican racing are the rodriguez brothers pedro and ricardo rodriguez um rodriguez the younger uh, was killed driving a ferrari when mexico finally got a formula one Grand Prix. In the very first practice in 61, I believe it was, he was killed. Um, his brother in a, in a race with Can-Am cars in Europe some years later, Pedro went on to become a huge worldwide motorsports yeah. hero. Yeah. Um, crowd control broke down. Uh, some dogs got on the circuit at one point and the, the police handled that by shooting them dead on the track. So Formula <laughs> One kind of lost its, its flavor for uh, Mexico. 
and didn't go there for many, many years. Then Champ Car discovered it, and they put a lot of money into fixing up the track. They had some great races there, developed some real Mexican um, IndyCar heroes who have been on the scene this weekend. And Grand Am came, and NASCAR came, and finally, Formula One came back. And um, it's, it's just a fabulous half-mile-long straightaway to a tight right-hander at turn one. It's, um, the S's on the backstretch are very tricky. And uh, the biggest spectacle is when the cars come through the old baseball stadium. Yeah. And if you were watching and practice and qualifying, you know, the cars are drowned out when the yeah. 50 or 60,000 people in that stadium wow. see Sergio Perez come through. So it's a, it's a track with all of the flair and passion of Mexico itself. And it's great fun. Bit of trivia. No Mexican has ever won the Mexican Grand Prix. Two Americans have. Dan Gurney in 64, Richie Ginther in 65. And... Sorry to jump in, guys. I'm Go just ahead. annoying people on the grid. And I've got Daniel Ricciardo's driver coach, Michael Italiano, with me because we mentioned the altitude. And I wanted to ask, Michael, do the drivers actually feel it fitness-wise in the car at this altitude? Yeah, definitely. So it's actually harder to actually get air in, to get oxygen in. So... You'll probably find this race, their average like resting heart rate throughout a race will actually be slightly more elevated and it will be a lot tougher. And it also, it's very hard to sleep here as well. So that's also the other difficult thing about Mexico. So what have you had to do to counteract that? Uh, when we landed, we, I, I ticked over his legs on the bike. So like just making sure that we just stay active, keep training. Um, and you can also do things like stay extra hydrated as well. So just essentially the basic principles of just being healthy, but just making sure that you adapt quicker than normal. And just finally, you're here with uh, his helmet bag and uh, cap frame. What's your job on the grid now? My job on the grid now is to make sure that Daniel's on time for the national anthem. <laughs> All the hard work's done. Well, fingers crossed he will be. You've got a bit of time for that. Michael, thanks very much for your time. Thanks, I, I love, I I love that. Uh, while it was a bit quiet, uh, just grab someone. So, uh, I wanted to hear a description uh, of his helmet. Me, though, in the car, they, they feel it too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I thought that was it, it's very remarkable. Is he his brother or something? He sounds exactly the same as Daniel. <laughs> he did, didn't he? I... Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you one thing. Um, and well, I, I mean, don't forget, these the guys track. travel the world together, don't yeah. they? Yeah. Yeah. Chris Medlin ran the track, I think he said, which I find remarkable because <laughs> in addition to thin air, truth be told, the air in Mexico City is <laughs> smoggy. smoggy. You know, so getting getting good quality fresh air into your lungs is a real problem here. It's in a, a very high plain and the mountains all surround it and the smog, the, you know, the waste in the air just gets trapped. So uh, that's a shame because it's a beautiful city, but something else to deal with. Well, the thin air is uh, like Chris touched on earlier is got to be helping uh, Mercedes, right? Jonathan, don't you think this is a big part of why they're, Looking so good this weekend? Yeah, but and, and I thought uh, um, I thought Chris explained it eloquently in about the downforce and how they've got a sticky car, effectively a draggy car, uh, and that was the reason why they're not as in such a bad situation. But it just surprises me that they're the only ones to you know have used the lack of altitude. I mean, why aren't Haas having a better day? Well, maybe they are because uh, if you look at the lap times, Magnussen and uh, yeah, uh, I'd like to get into that. Well, they later. had the they had the fastest. Uh, top speeds. They were at, okay. I think it was 219 miles. And this is clearly one of the fastest circuits yep. on the calendar. At 219 miles an hour, the, the Haas, at one point, I think it was FP3 or or maybe, actually it was during qualifying. They had the fastest time, fastest top speed, 219. Mm-hmm. Well, Leclerc was putting in some great segments, but he couldn't put the entire string together. And so at one point they were talking about Ferrari may be in a place to really do well. And that, that was early on. That was Q1, I think, where they said he was just really hitting them. But, you know, Mercedes, we, we got to see what's happening with Hamilton because Q1 and Q2, he was strong. But during Q3 is when he talked about losing power and he even said in his post-interview. All right, guys, you know what? This takes this opportunity to hear from the drivers themselves because – uh, I was just thinking after, I mean, it looked like we could very possibly have a one-two Mercedes front row, and then Max did what he's done the entire year, and it, again, not quite as effortlessly as he has all year, but Max Verstappen ended up on pole. Let's hear from Max Verstappen. Well, it was just, 
quite tricky up until um, Q3 really with the car balance, but I think um, the final adjustments we did after FP3 were good. Um, we did have to fine tune it a little bit through Q1 and Q2, but I think it was just also the, um, the track temperature didn't make it easy for everyone out there. Um, so it was all about fine tuning that and then um, Q2 already was quite close, but then um, Q3 we, we seemed to jump ahead a little bit and around here it's very hard to, uh, to have a perfect lap uh, just because there are so many factors to it. Like if you over push a little bit with this low grip because of the altitude, uh, you easily make a mistake. So it's actually about staying calm and precise, which uh, gives you the lap time, which you know in a, a Formula 1 car is not always the easiest. They got two Mercedes behind you, how hard is it going to be to keep them behind? Yeah, I think they will have good race pace. I mean, um, all the time when they have been quite competitive in general, uh, normally they step it up a little bit more in the race. But I'm not too worried about it. I mean, I just want to have a good race. Of course, I try to win it, but um, we'll see tomorrow. What do you got, Jonathan? You were yeah, just going to say, uh, it's always interesting to look back. Mercedes were one and two on the grid this time last year. Verstappen went on to win. Uh, and a time of 115.8, Botas was pole. But wow. hey, Bob Varsha, this is not a track where the pole sitter wins a lot, is it? It is not. In fact, it's been a while since the pole sitter won. It's been a while since the pole sitter led into turn one, <laughs> considering that long half mile straightaway down to turn one. Yeah. yeah, it throws up those kind of weird results. We've had 11 different pole sitters in the last 11 runnings of this race. Wow. Nobody has doubled up in over a decade. I mean, it's that crazy. Oh, let's talk about this run down to turn one. Like Bob said, a half a mile that this could get, and, and the speeds that these cars are going to generate in this air. It's like starting the Baku straight, but from the back, from, yeah. the, from, the, from coming out of 20. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you, know, you may want to get uh, Erica Enders or Leah Pritchett or somebody from NHRA to start your car. <laughs> it's going to be a drag race down to turn one. Which is really going to set up things interesting because you realize they uh, they have a limitation of how long they can keep the tire warmers on the tires. I think it was 15 minutes, and I forget the temperature. But by the time the temperature's they run, down, yeah, yeah, the temperature is down. By this time, they're going to run a formation, cooling off more so because the formation lap really doesn't help you with temperature. And they're going to go into that turn one after that half mile on semi cold leftover tires. It seems. Yeah. Yeah, they went from a uh, hundred. Uh, degrees uh, Celsius down to 70 with the tire blankets this weekend. And uh, that's about a, almost a what, 50, 60 degree Fahrenheit temperature change. So yeah. there's a lot of talk about that during the uh, TV coverage of the weekend. It makes a huge difference in, uh, in having tires that are ready to go. And it's going to go lower until I think they eventually do away with tire warmers. And I think none of the drivers are happy about that. Another of the aspects that was brought out because of that temperature and the loss of thermal energy is the brakes. And now you've got cooler tires, cooler brakes going into a T1 at the end of a half-mile run. So that's going to be scary. Man, you know, this. there's mm -hmm. so much that goes on with this thin air and altitude and everything. You could spend a ton of time just going into the technical part of it. I wish we, uh, wish we had time to do that. Maybe we'll do a podcast. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back... We'll continue to break down everything you need to know for the Formula One Mexico Grand Prix. Back after these messages. Hello, I'm Jenny Gow from BBC F1. You are listening to Speed City. You're listening to Speed City F1 on Sirius XM. CrowdStrike presents Driven in 60. Our digital world is more than just interconnected. It's interdependent. And because of that, security is a top concern for every organization. The Mercedes-AMG Patronus Formula One team knows they're a potential target for a host of digital attacks, which is why they leverage the CrowdStrike Falcon platform to deploy end-to-end -end security solutions. CrowdStrike revolutionized cybersecurity by harnessing the speed and power of the cloud to identify and stop the most sophisticated cyber attacks. Our cloud-native Falcon platform protects and defends organizations against increasingly complex threats, so you can have the peace of mind to focus on your business momentum not what's trying to stop it. That's protection that powers you. To learn more and to try CrowdStrike Falcon free today, visit CrowdStrike.com slash XM. You know, we had George Kurtz here last weekend in the Master Series. Yes. And uh, I had CEO to, uh, of CrowdStrike. Yeah, that's right. CEO of CrowdStrike. And so, uh, you know, chit-chatting a little with him, telling him thanks for coming on the show. And I said, by the way, we've been having fun with the, the live reads. 
And I said, you know, you named the cabin and, you know, vacation beaches, all that kind of thing. And I said, I, I keep throwing in or in the doghouse. And he goes, yeah, I think it works there, too. <laughs> he's a nice guy. And he's actually a heck of a good race car driver. Very he? good. Five yeah, seconds. Won a championship. Uh, yeah. Anthony Davidson. We, 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 we hijacked Anthony Davidson while he was on his board the other day, me and John. And uh, he told us that because uh, we saw the movie or the, the film that they made about Kurtz uh, with Hamilton. And he said he was within five seconds of Hamilton in the in the F1 Cup, on that, uh, on Coda. That's stunning. It's actually, actually stunning. I mean, really, a normal human. Well, I mean, because yeah. Kurtz is a CEO, he's he's not twenty something anymore. So no, no, no. the fact that he's five, they both, did they both drive the same car? Yep, yep, yep. Hamilton was there, and Davidson was there, which is why we asked him. Yeah, uh-huh. so that puts him on grid. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does. Yeah, no, I'm serious. It does. Yeah. All right, guys, uh, let's see what we've got next. I'm just checking the crowds. By the way, we saw Chris on TV. That was cool. If you can yes. hear us, Chris, we well saw done, you on Chris. TV. Nice uh, bit. Dodging the, uh, the bullet that is Martin Brundle blasting through there. Um, <laughs> and I really, I really want to get Chris if he's uh, – he's, I don't know. No, he's disconnected right now, so he's okay. not online. We're going to get his strategy because right now they're saying the quickest is a two-stop two-stop strategy, but there's a reason, and there's some caveats to that. So we'll talk more about that when we get Chris talking about that. But let's talk about Perez, uh, his qualifying, and then we'll get Bob to do the uh, the grid for us. But but Perez, you know, everybody wants him to have a great qualifying, maybe even win the race. He'd be amazing in Mexico. But he had a disaster of qualifying because of electrical issues. Did you guys read all about that? I mean, it was everything from he couldn't yeah. tell what lap times. He couldn't tell anything. Bob, did you read that? Yeah, I did. And um, it was a pretty severe problem, too. It left him in kind of a quandary. Um, I was surprised he qualified where he did in fourth. I think he he probably had a very good shot at the front row. So I'm sure he was bitterly disappointed not to get it done in front of the home crowd. Yeah, and in his words, he says, it was a mess, a total mess. said we had an electrical issue at the beginning and looked at my quality and it was nearly locked out of one, nearly knocked out of Q2. Uh, so he, it was just a disaster for him. So um, at one point he was manually activating DRS. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Pulling a big yeah. cable. Yeah. Like, like yeah, the guy. He with had the hat. Hat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like the yeah. guy. Had. <laughs> yeah. It didn't open when he wanted to on one of his push laps. So that was, I'm sure very annoying. What I love about Perez, I mean, you see Hamilton or Mansell in the past at the British Grand Prix, and it's the same pressure. You know, it's your home Grand Prix. I remember Button used to just look like a, a man, like <laughs> with the world on his shoulders. Um, but it, that's the, that's the feeling you get when there's 300,000 fans cheering your name. Um, but uh, sure. Perez seems to rise to the occasion. He's such a cool dude. He is. He's chill. Mm-hmm. I chill. think would be a good one. Yeah, Look, we're he about... throws the best party in Mexico City, and that's the hottest ticket in town when Formula One's around. I'll bet. Is Sergio's, Checo's party. And did you see who replaced Brad Pitt as the most uh, sought-after camera shot this weekend was Checo's dad. Isn't he just... Yeah, he's funny. He's, he's such a dad, isn't he? He's just <laughs> smiling and happy. Beaming. Yeah, beaming. That's yeah. exactly the right nice. word. All right, yeah. well, speaking of beaming, uh, we're 20 minutes before the race, which means it's time for Bob Varsha's grid and... God, it's take it away, Bob. Okay, (laughs) here we go. On row one, Max Verstappen for Red Bull, his sixth pole of the season, the 11th different pole sitter in as many races in Mexico City. As I mentioned earlier, the record is 14 different pole sitters, by the way. So the champ is going for his record 14th win this season. And keep in mind, 13 of his previous 18 poles have resulted in victories. Next to him, George Russell for Mercedes, bitterly disappointed because he thought he had the pole lap going and then just made mistakes. He was on pole in Hungary, but this is only a second front row start, one on merit, the other front row start being a grid penalty promotion. This is the first time he's out-qualified Lewis Hamilton, his teammate since the summer break, though by just five thousandths of a second in what was a really close-fought qualifying session throughout the top ten. On row two, the aforementioned Lewis Hamilton for Mercedes, The last two races here in Mexico were won by the driver starting third, if you're into numerology. And this marks the first time this season the two factory Mercedes cars have both started in the top 10. Game on. Next to him in fourth place, Sergio Perez for Red Bull, the overwhelming crowd darling. And fourth is the same position he started his home race from last season. On to row three, Carlos Sainz for Ferrari, his best ever start at Mexico City but the Spaniards' worst since the French Grand Prix at Paul Ricard eight races ago. 
Also, the first time neither Ferrari has started in the top four all season. Starting sixth, Valtteri Bottas for Alfa Romeo. The best start for the Finn since the Miami GP back in May, although it seems like 100 years ago now, <laughs> as the team that started as Sauber has been officially announced as the Audi factory entrant beginning in 2026. On row four, Charles Leclerc for Ferrari. Crashed on Friday on a slick, dusty racetrack. The Monegasque makes his first start outside the top three in the last 11 races, and he's three places behind Sergio Perez, whom he leads by just two points for second place in the Drivers' Championship behind Verstappen. Next to Leclerc in the eighth spot is Lando Norris for McLaren, matching his best start in Mexico City, which came back in 2019. Row five, and this is where it really gets interesting. Fernando Alonso in the Alpine, just 11 points ahead of McLaren in the constructors. Our Alpine sandwiched by the rivals on the grid because next to Alonso, P10, Esteban Ocon in the other Alpine, only his second top 10 start at this track, and he didn't drive in free practice one. On row six, Daniel Ricciardo in the second McLaren, who missed Q3 by just 54 thousandths of a second and he forms the second half for that McLaren Alpine sandwich. And that is going to be fun to watch. In the 11, uh, 12th spot next to Ricardo, Guan Yuzhou in the Alfa Romeo. 12th is the Chinese driver's best start since Hungary back before the summer break. The Alphas appear to have game here in Mexico. And this marks 71 years to the very weekend since Alfa Romeo won their most recent Grand Prix victory. That's a trivia question. You make your guess. I'll have the answer at the end. Moving on to row seven, Yuki, excuse me, Yuki Sonoda for AlphaTauri, who outqualified his future ex-teammate Pierre Gasly for the eighth time this year, as the Japanese driver seems to be gaining self-control after some issues with overdriving and temper tantrums, which brings us to the guy who's having those tantrums now, his teammate, Pierre Gasly, who suffered from brake issues again this weekend in qualifying, and he let the team know about it over the radio. On to row eight, Mick Schumacher for Haas. And you couldn't script this one. Fellow Germans, Schumacher and his mentor, Sebastian Vettel, set the exact same time <laughs> in Q1, but Schumacher did it first. So by rule, he gets the spot. And keep in mind, Haas leads Alpha Tori by just one point for eighth in the Constructors' Championship. Starting 16th, the aforementioned Sebastian Vettel, never lower than ninth on the grid in Mexico with his previous teams, Vettel out in Q1 for the fifth time in the last eight races. Row nine, Alex Albon in the first Williams. The Williams woes continue as Albon outqualified his teammate for the 17th time this season, but the cars were still the slowest of all in Q1. Next to him is his teammate, Nick Latifi, running out the string here in 2022 before American Logan Sargent is scheduled to take his seat. Keep that in mind. More on that Coming up, the only thing keeping the Williams cars from caboose on the field are grid penalties to the drivers who start there. Specifically, on row 10, starting 19th, Kevin Magnuson in the second Haas, who lost the team's first ever Q2 appearance in Mexico to a five-place grid drop for an engine that failed when he wasn't even driving the car. Pietro Fittipaldi was on Friday morning. He earned lots of new friends in Austin, where he lost eighth place on the final lap to Vettel then got out of the car and gushed about how much he admired Vettel's driving. He also got eighth place back when Fernando Alonso was uh, bumped down the order for uh, a dangerous car. And then he got it back again when <laughs> uh, Haas's protest of that penalty uh, was dismissed. So uh, final spot in 20th, Lance Stroll turned 24 yesterday for Aston Martin down from 16th on the grid due to a three place grid penalty, uh, excuse me, 17th on grid, for the three-place grid penalty from his collision in Texas last week with his new teammate beginning next season, Fernando Alonso. And a look at the speed trap numbers shows that the fastest and one of the slowest cars in a straight line are starting together on the last row. And the answer to the trivia question, last driver to win a GP for Alfa Romeo, Juan Manuel Fangio, the oh, last row whoa. in Spain. I've heard of him. October, October 28th, 1951. And then they quit the sport until 1979. What was that race like, Jonathan? Hey, you know, there was rain uh, in the first four laps, but Fangio clipped on his leather helmet and went, ah, he's nothing, and won. His leather helmet. Yeah. And he was French suddenly. I don't know why. 
Heads <laughs> of in Spain. That was the circuit. Okay. On that note, we're going to take our last break. And when we come back, we'll got, we have plenty more to talk about, and we'll get you ready because the race is just a few minutes away. Listen to Speed CDF1 on Sirius XM back after this. Hello to everyone. This is Gunther Steiner. This is Speed City. You're listening to Speed City F1 on Sirius XM. All right, we're going to go straight back out to Chris Medlin on the grid in Mexico City because he just caught up with Christian Horner and sent us the recorded portion of that. But, Chris, you want to set it up for us real quick? Yeah, sure, thanks. So, uh, yeah, Christian, who's uh, only talking to people like us uh, at the moment, uh, was <laughs> getting absolutely swamped, uh, which you'll hear me tee up first. But what was good to hear was that he's – he sees a, there's a fight on today. This isn't a Red Bull, uh, we'll just walk away from Mercedes, as he said before. He thinks it's going to be a tough, tough battle. It is a rammed grid here. Lots of photos being done and introductions. Uh, Christian Horner just being introduced to a few guests. Christian, you're on pole, but Mercedes look quicker than ever before. Are you worried about their threat today? Yeah, look, I mean, uh, this is like a cup final for them. So, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a fascinating race. Um, I can't, it's too hard, too close to call. Um, strategy is going to be crucial. This temperature, this altitude makes it really critical on brakes and temperatures. So I'm sure everybody's going to be right on the limit. And obviously, Checo starting P4. There's a lot of talk about the slipstream from the Mercedes drivers, but he's going to get one too. Have you had any pre-race plans about this, or do you have to just sit tight and watch it play out? You just got to, you know, go. With it. It's difficult to plan anything because, uh, you know, it, they never work. So uh, let's. You know, let's see. Let's see if he can get a good start. He's got about an extra 25 horsepower from all the sport he's got this weekend. So, yeah, he's going to respond well to that. Now, you guys had a big party on Sunday night after winning the Constructors title. But how excited are you about the potential for a huge party if Checo wins this? Well, look, I mean, I, I think the whole of Mexico will have a party. If we win this, then uh, yeah, we'll be lucky if we get out of here. <laughs> well, good luck today. Thank you very much. Brilliant. No kidding. That says it all. Yes, that's perfect. Uh, well, Chris, he seemed to be in a good mood after uh, knowing that he's going to have to write a $7 million check. But does that to the, each week to get the groceries for, for, well, for that's the, true. That's true. That's, all Cost those catering count. charges. Yeah. That's right. Careful, back to don't get us blocks too. <laughs> hey, let's let's not forget that you uh, you're only hearing those uh, right here because yes. they're not on Sky right now. They're they've they've blocked Sky. So uh, if you want to hear any from the Red Bull team, you got to stay tuned to us. And before we go any further, let me get this in real quick. The Speed City F1 Pre Race Show on Sirius XM is brought to you by CrowdStrike. Stop today's most sophisticated cyber attacks at the office, the racetrack, and everywhere in between. Learn more at CrowdStrike dot com slash xm all right chris i know you also caught up with christian horner's nemesis toto wolf uh you want to set that up real quick yeah i did i was uh i was loitering for a bit actually while you guys were chatting because uh toto had moved further back down the grid uh to find his former driver so i caught up with him stood next to an alfa romeo so if i can quickly grab you lovely touch you've come down here to see valtteri bottas great job he's doing this weekend isn't it your former driver yeah, fantastic. I really enjoyed it. He's right there in the mix. He's going to have quite a toe uh, with the cars in front of him. And I hope that this is, you know, he can be in the mix for a while. Well, speaking of the toe, you guys starting second and third. What are you hoping for from the start of the race? Because you've got to try and play together, haven't you? Yeah, I think if we were in the lead, I would be skeptical whether we can hold it uh, because you're just quicker. Now being second and third, we're going to have a toe. Whether this is enough really whether to overtake him or shift. So is this your best chance to win a race this year, do you think? Nah, well, I hope we're in the mix for every race that are coming up. Well, yeah, I was going to say, you've upgraded the car still, haven't you? It's working well at, at more circuits this year. Yeah, we know that this is, a, as per our simulations, the best one. So well, let's see what Brazil can give. Well, we're looking forward to it. Good luck. Oh, that's cool. I'd, I'd forgotten that he, um, he drove for Toto. But, man, what a great story this weekend, though. Valtteri Botas? Uh, was he starting in between the Ferraris? He is indeed. He's seventh on the grid. He's directly, well, sorry, tell a lie, sixth on the he's grid. Sixth. Uh, yep. He's directly behind Sergio Perez. I'm looking now at Checo getting strapped into his car. When the national anthem finished, by the way, the chanting from the fans of Checo's yeah. name just gave you goosebumps. It's incredible. But yeah, he's got Bottas right <laughs> behind him. And um, uh, actually, I did also catch up. I don't know if we've got the clip ready, but with Valtteri Bottas's 
boss uh, with Fred Vasseur because it's been a while since Alfa Romeo have been that far forward on the grid and it's uh, looking like a good weekend for them so far. I've grabbed Fred Vasseur because he's got a driver in between two Ferraris starting today. I mean, how fun's it be back up here, Fred? Because you were used to this earlier in the season. Yeah, it's a good situation for the start, but we don't have to be too much focused on the Ferrari. We are doing our own race and we know that we are also fighting with Aston Martin for the championship and we will probably more focus on them than on the Ferrari. Uh, are you in a position though where you can maybe show the pace of the car more easily because you're starting up here? Yeah, you know that the main issue in Mexico is to have free air and uh, for sure it's much better to, to start from a good position but now we have to see after turn three because <laughs> it's always a bit chaotic and we have the long slipstream until turn one but uh, so far okay. And where's this pace come from? I know you know, altitude plays a part here, but you've been updating the car too, haven't you? Yeah, but I think the pace was more than okay, you know, Austin and Suzuka, but it was more for circumstances and so that we didn't show up. The, the show, we were able to show the pace, but the, the performance was there. And this weekend he was working from lap one in FP1 and the pace was consistent. Now let's see, it's on Sunday that we are scoring points. Huh? Well, good luck today. Yeah, look, they're only, what, three points behind or excuse me, ahead of Aston Martin. So that is a tight race. Hey, Chris, I have a safety bulletin for you. There is apparently, I don't know if you, we saw in the television coverage, I don't know if you've seen it, but up in the sky, there appears to be a pterodactyl up the head, up above you. So you need to be careful. Uh-oh. He's been late with that warning. The stalk has struck. He's got it. He may have been late with that warning. I think Chris He's told been carried us. away. I know. <laughs> He's gotten carried away, literally. Yes. Uh, the temple at Chapultepec. Apparently, there's some giant bird mechanical, device on a mechanical. Tethered, on yeah. A, yeah, tethered, exactly. But you can see on the television. At first, I thought it was real. Jonathan was like, what, Yeah, that? well, I, I thought it was real. <laughs> I thought it was a giant Mexican eagle, but yes. but uh, Cara, Cara. Yep. All right, guys, we're uh, we're getting close. It's about five or six minutes before the race. And, um, you know, one thing I definitely want to talk about, which we haven't, and that is Logan Sargent, because as we know, last week he was announced by Williams as going to be an American on the grid next year with a little caveat, as long as he can get his super license points. He couldn't help himself, could he? He, he tried to sort of put it in the press conference, dip it under the, the radar, but I, we all went nuts when I know. we heard it. I yeah. was like, what? Yeah. You just, he totally just European understatement. He didn't. Yeah, it was totally. I don't think that was rumored or anything. He just snuck that in in the in the uh, team manager's Explain press conference. Explain the caveat. Yeah. So the caveat is is that he doesn't have the super license points to do that yet. So he has to get. He has to finish currently. He has to finish at least sixth on the um, on the two. final standings for Formula Two. Yep. Uh, right now he's third, but third through seventh is separated by like five points. So I mean, it could go any different direction. So what they decided to do was put him in the car again this weekend and next weekend. But unfortunately, this weekend, they put him on the in the car in FP1, and he did not get that extra super license point, and he missed it by, like, I'm looking at the article that Chris wrote on Racer. I think it was, like, five kilometers. One yeah. lap. One wow. lap. Oh. Uh, wow. Yeah. That's... It was less than four kilometers, and the, the issue was – there was a red flag middle of the session, and then Liam Lawson stopped to end the session prematurely. So he needed just one more lap and would have had it. Which is ironic because he's trying to do the same thing. Yeah. Um, I yeah. just don't do you think really that makes think me... that's ironic. <laughs> yeah. Intentional or no. yeah. But it is. I mean, I wonder whether there should be some dispensation for that because it just seems like. I mean, this is going to happen more and more as the super lessons, you know, thing lights up. I mean, there's, there's there's different ways of doing it. We've got to look at it differently in the States. I know that. But I do feel for... I know Leon, uh, Liam very well. Mm -hmm. uh, he got some super license points when he did the Toyota Racing Series, which I'm going back down to in, in when we're going to talk about later, too. Yes, we are. Um, but, um, you know, I, I just find it one kilometre. Come on, guys. You know? Well, so I, I wonder how that will play out. It, Williams, you know, insisted, and Logan's calm about it. The whole reason they're doing it now is mainly to prepare him for next year, and the extra points are a bonus. But realistically, the way it should shake out in Abu Dhabi, he should be fine. It's going to be tough to get the permutations for him to drop too far. Uh, as long as he has a good qualifying and a good first race, he should have his super license. Uh, he's also due some bonus points if he keeps it clean in Abu Dhabi. He'll get two extra bonus points for not getting any penalties during a whole season. Uh, so I think he's going to be okay on that front. Uh, but yeah, if he's one super license point short, I would not be surprised to see Williams turn around to the FIA and say, Come on, how close do you want us to get? Like, surely you can give a stat point for Mexico. So, can you do uh, yeah, testing? It, it may... 
any before season? Is there any? Could he do the Barcelona test and get? So there's no no points for testing. Sadly, okay. uh, there'll only be one uh, preseason test in Bahrain. Mm. Uh, three days split between both drivers, so only a day and a half for him to get ready as a rookie in the new car. So that's already tough. Uh, but no, the the closest thing you could say, I don't think the timing would work. Would be he could do FP1 in Bahrain. And if that was clean, that would give him his extra super license point. But they already would have had to enter him as a race driver, which you need your super license for. So could he uh, do the Grand I, I Prix? Could it, could a, could a driver sit out? Could Albon get another appendix with a punch? <laughs> no, no, because he doesn't have the super license yet. He wouldn't He's be allowed to have race. A license to drive. Ah, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. So a bit like 007. Um, he'll be fine. <laughs> he'll be fine. But it's just a, a little quote that we just thought we'd flag up just in case he ends up one short. But I'd be amazed if we are talking about him being one short at the end of the year. All right, guys, two minutes we got left in the show. So it is that time. We're going to go around the room and uh, we're going to pick who we think is going to be on the podium. But I like to throw in the head and heart part of that. So Les, Kaiser, why don't you go first, buddy? Uh, Head, Max, Sergio, Ham, Hart, Sergio, Max, Ham. (laughs) There you go. Uh, Mr. Green? Uh, Head and heart, Checo to win and uh, (laughs) for Red Bull to be stuck there for weeks. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and forfeit the championship because of it and spend at least $7 million on, on the bill. Oh, uh, my goodness. First, first place to, to, to Checo, second place to Hamilton, third place to Russell. Uh, Mr. Medlin? I'm going to go first place to Hamilton, second place to Checo, third place to Carlos Sainz. Yeah. Okay. All right, I'm going to go first place to George Russell, and I think I'm using my head on that one. I think that could uh, easily mm. be. And uh, second uh, Verstappen and then Hamilton and right. Hart Checo, of course. Got yeah. It. Hart Checo as well here. I think you can't, can't go wrong there, but all right, gentlemen, we are, we're just going to wrap up hey, here. What am I? Oh, I'm sorry, oh, Mr. Varsha. I'm so sorry, Mr. Varsha. Objection. Objection, Your Honor. There's too many of us here. What's up? Okay. Your choice, just, Bob. Just sorry. Just for that, I'm not going to tell you. He's not talking to this. this week on Sky either. Yeah. <laughs> tires were never more important. None of the big three teams drivers have a fresh set of soft tires left. Going to have to do it on the mediums and the hards. Mm. I'm going to say Lewis Hamilton. Uh, Max Verstappen, Sergio Perez. Who would I like to see win? Uh, Charles Leclerc. Oh, ah, I like nice. that. I like that for your heart pick. All right, guys, we're done. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for the race. And don't forget our one-hour post-race show right after the race. And we have a special guest in studio. Join us after the race. Good stuff. Now we-